Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now, here's your host, Brunswick. What a week, what a week, what a week. I am your host, Brunswick. The show is Project Panthers. And what a week it's been in Panther territory. If you're listening to us, it is on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcast distributors by searching Project Panthers. You can follow us on Twitter by searching up Proj Panthers. That's at P-R-O-J Panthers. Find us on Instagram at Project Panthers Pod and on Facebook by searching Project Panthers. Panthers record sits at 26-12-4 at the time of this recording, currently sitting third in the NHL Central Division. Tough week for the Cats. Three straight regulation losses for only the second time this season. Team seems to be spiraling a bit without Aaron Eckblad ahead of the NHL trade deadline. Those games, as well as the review of the Cats' deadline, moves ahead. But first, let's see how they managed to lose three straight this week. First game of the week for the Cats. First of two in Carolina against the Canes. Canes got Peter Mrazek back during the weekend, so he gets to start in this one. Three shutouts in his first five games this season. So pretty impressive for him to to kick off the 2021 year. But uh, his season has been cut short a bit due to some injuries. So I'm sure the Canes are happy to have him back. Panthers start out with a bit of energy, but Carolina is the better team in the first few minutes. Bit of a sloppy shift from the fourth line with Hubi double shifting. A couple of uh, defensive mistakes that led to a couple of really good scoring chances for the Hurricanes. Cats do a good job of weathering the uh, the storm, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> uh, and they do a good job of creating a couple of chances for themselves. Uh, Barkov is all over the ice, and he gets rewarded when Mackenzie Weger throws a backhand on net, and after a bit of a broken play in front, Barky picks it up, floats the rebound into the net, past Mrazic for the one nothing Panthers lead. Good start for the Cats. Canes take a penalty almost immediately after this goal, and uh, Panthers collapse defensively a couple of times on this one. And the Canes get some great scoring chances shorthanded, but they cannot convert. They kill the penalty, and they manage to get a few more chances, but Bob shuts the door after this, and the uh, first period ends one nothing. Panthers come out with a bit of more purpose in the second period, do a great job of relentlessly forechecking and pressuring the Carolina defense. This pressure causes some mistakes on, uh, on Carolina's side, and the Cats are all over them, really doing a good job of, of smothering their defense in this one. Mrazic makes, makes save after save, and the Canes defensemen scramble around to try and get control of the puck and get it out of the zone. Panthers are looking like the much better team, but things eventually swing a bit in Carolina's favor. But the Panthers are really moving their feet well in this game. They really are. Getting a ton of chances, but not quite finishing. Uh, a few opportunities are a bit sloppy as the passes just seem off, or the uh, the puck was rolling a lot in this one. I don't know how well the ice, how good the ice was in this one. Uh, just they just weren't as crisp as you'd like them to be in that second period, considering the chances that they had. Uh, they could have made a bit more of those chances if they had those passes down. Um, but can't t- can't take away from Carolina's work with their sticks. They're very active defensively and. And they do their best to limit your space offensively. And Florida's a team that benefits from space offensively. And Carolina knows that. Um, even when they make a mistake in their own zone, the Canes are quick to to make up for it and, and throw one or two guys your way to make sure you don't have a lot of time to make a decision with the puck. Uh, Barkov hits a goal post. Unfortunately, a, a 2 nothing lead at this point would be huge for this team, but the captain cannot confirm it. And that's that. 
Panthers are clogging the neutral zone really well and not allowing the Canes to get through into the zone unimpeded. At about the halfway mark of the game, the Canes were sitting at only 11 shots on goal. But uh, but after that halfway mark, the Canes started to really pour it on. Uh, tons of pressure in front of the net. Carolina actually slides one in, but unfortunately for the Panthers veteran, uh, but fortunately for the Panthers, uh, veteran referee Wes McCauley had blown the whistle just before the puck went in. Seems like he lost puck, lost sight of the puck, um, but Carolina had a reason to complain here as the puck was was still very free and open when the whistle was blown. It was really early, and Kane scored a couple of seconds after, but the, the puck was not covered. So Kane's had a reason to be upset, and this kind of ignited the, their team as they kept moving their feet, and as a result, Yandel takes a uh, pretty bad high-sticking penalty in the corner late in the second to put Carolina up a man. Really careless penalty. Had his stick up and, and caught the Carolina off- offensive player right in, the, right in the face with his stick. This is not the kind of mistake you want to make against this team, and... Sure enough, Vinny Trocek makes him pay. Who else would it be? Of course it's Vinny Trocek. Absolutely killing the Panthers this year. Four power play goals on the season against Florida for him. He ties the game. The Cats don't get discouraged by this one, though. Just uh, just 27 seconds later, Mason Marshman does a really great job battling for the puck at the offensive blue line. Manages to keep it in. Cardi V gets the puck across ice to, uh, to Barkov. He won times at past Mazic for his second of the game and 16th goal of the season. Vetrano takes a penalty late in the second, though, that crosses over into the third. This is a weak call, I would say. Bit of a makeup call from the referees. It seemed like incidental contact that they decided to char- to uh, call Vetrano for. Hurricanes make the Panthers play again, this time early in the third. And once again, it is, you know who, Vincent Trocek. Gets his stick on a puck in front and ties it up. This is just too many penalties by the Panthers against the league's best power play. Careless, careless. I know, I know the refs are, are kind of putting their hands on this game a little bit too much, but the Cats have to know that, especially after the blown call and the uh, no goal for the Canes. So they should have tightened up a bit here. Cats tried to turn it up in the third. Can't finish their chances. Mraza came up huge, made some really big saves, robbed Achari on a breakaway. Canes kept coming. Jordan Stahl gets a shot through Bob that he cannot hold on to. Really should have had this 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 goal. Gudis tries to clear. Tippett comes in to try and help out. Ends up bouncing off of Tippett and into the net. 3-2 Canes. Cats try to generate offense in the end of the game, but they can't get much going with the uh, extra man. Carolina adds two empty netters to add some salt into the wound and uh, 5-2 final for the Hurricanes. Main takeaways from this one, game management. We've all heard that term lately. Well, the refs kind of blew a goal for the Hurricanes tonight and after they basically put their whistles away in Carolina's favor. I, I try not to complain about officiating too much. If you've listened since episode one, you'll you'll know I don't like to blame officiating very often, but the calls that were made after the goal was was called off were frustrating because you knew what it was all about. Everyone watching it knew. Can't do anything about it. It's just an unfortunate unfortunate situation. Uh there's it's it's Something that I think the league really needs to take a look at, especially after uh, Tim Peel's fiasco earlier in the season, where he basically openly admitted to game management being a thing on on Mike. It's just kind of makes your league a little bush, right? Uh, in the end, Carolina was be- was the better team, though. That their goal likely shouldn't have happened, and if that doesn't happen, maybe this game ends differently. Bob should have squeezed it, and Tippett should have never put it in- into his own net. It's just one of those plays. Changed the whole game, though. 
The second of two games against the Hurricanes took place on Thursday, but before this game, we learned that uh, the Panthers had actually made a trade. Forward Brett Connolly, Riley St- defenseman Riley Stillman, and uh, prospect forward Henrik Borgstrom, uh, along with a seventh-round pick, were sent to the Chicago Blackhawks for defenseman Lucas Carlson and forward Lucas Walmark. Yes, the same Lucas Walmark who the Panthers acquired for Vincent Trocek from Carolina last year. This was a bit of a surprising trade, but everyone seems to think this is a, a cap dump. Was a cap dump to make space for a bigger move, uh, which is interesting because with Ekblad out for the remainder of the season, the Panthers have a pretty decent amount of cap space as it is. So I'm not sure what Zito and company is thinking, but uh, regardless, it's clear Brett Connolly didn't have much of a future in Florida, considering how little he's played over the last month. Riley Stillman, who had some moderate, ex- who some had some moderate expectations for going into this season. He, he sort of fell out of favor with coaching staff after only one game to start the year. And although he's played a bit more recently, it's, it's clear that uh, he really wasn't part of the future here either. And then there's Henrik Borgström, uh, a guy who was once high, had such high expectations for him that, that GM Dale Talon refused to include him in a deal for Mark Stone. Yes, the Mark Stone. Yes, that Mark Stone. Vegas's incredible defensive forward, Mark Stone. Uh, Borg, Borgstrom has spent a few years in limbo. Uh, he had a ton of success in his college years with Denver, but uh, he was playing in the AHL last year before going back to his native Finland this year. He's found a bit of success there, but he was basically a .5 point-per-game player in the AHL. Just never reached the level he was expected to. I expect the Blackhawks to give him some sort of a shot if he can't put it together there, then he might be done as an NHLer. Um, coming back to the Panthers, they get Lucas Carlson, a borderline seventh defenseman who is likely destined for the AHL, and of course, the returning centerman, Lucas Walmark. I, I actually had a really high expectations for Walmark when he was acquired last year. Uh, he was actually my favorite piece coming back from the from uh, Carolina in the Trocheck trade. I think he's a pretty solid bottom six guy, but just never put it together in Florida, and those struggles seem to have continued this season in Chicago. I don't think Walmart is really in the team's plans, but he, he might get a look here and and there, and, and he's likely most most likely headed to the taxi squad when he returns from COVID protocol later this month. Decent depth addition. I think the, the move here was more just getting rid of Connolly's contract. Uh, with Stillman traded, Q continues to go for the uh, seven-man defense, so Brady Keeper tags in for his first NHL action since the quote-unquote playoffs last season against the Islanders. This is his first regular season action in over two calendar years. So, uh, this game starts pretty defensive, pretty boring. Only a few shots from, from both teams in the first 10 minutes. They both exchange a couple of chances, but keepers come up big before the Cans get a power play. They waste no time with this man advantage, though, and score almost immediately after a quick passing play that ends with an Ajo one-timer into the twine. Carolina continues to decimate the Panthers on the power play. This has been the clear difference maker in this series between the two teams so far. Carolina just dominating with the man advantage against the Panthers and honestly most of the league as they sit first place in power play percentage. Cats get a chance late in the period when Barkov makes a nice play on the turnaround pass, but Verhage cannot finish the opportunity, unfortunately. Cats get a power play early in the second, but they're only really able to generate one shot and not a lot of offensive pressure. Team is struggling to to generate anything substantial at this point. Power play is a mess. Without Ekblad, they have no threat on the left side to shoot. Hornquist screaming in front of the net for shots to get through. Yandel and Huberto playing back and forth. 
Very tough to watch. Kane's very frustrating. Kane's pad their lead when, of course, who else? Vinny Trocek shoots it from a bad angle. Puck takes a funky bounce straight up in the air. Bounces right behind Rieger and into the net. That's Trocek's sixth goal in six games against the Panthers. I guess you could say he's got something to prove. Despite the dumb luck on this one. This was seriously just dumb luck. Really seems like anything goes in for him right now. Uh, teams exchange power plays, but the Canes look so much more effective on theirs despite not scoring. Quick passing. Panthers trying to pressure them, but they're so quick with their puck movement, they don't even get a chance to make it close to the Carolina player before the puck is somewhere else. It's just a lot of passing. They can't adjust to the style. and uh, I mean, they, they they did what they could, I guess, considering the lineup that was dressed for this one. Panthers get another early power play, start this, the period in the third. Uh, this time they do a much better job of moving the puck quickly and getting a couple shots on that, but again, nothing to show for it. Canes just keep outworking the Panthers, winning board battles and playing the body. Cats aren't matching them physically. They they managed to turn it up a bit halfway through the period, but Carolina does a good job of holding them off and, and limiting high-quality sh- chances. Every shot seems to be from a weird angle or rushed off of pressure or or off the rush where they throw a shot on net and hope for a rebound. Just nothing nothing substantial and nothing high-quality. A lot of easy saves for Nadelkovic in this one. Uh, game finishes without much more to it. Carolina shuts the door. Panthers play completely uninspired with the goaltender pulled. Marchman gave up a terrible pass. Just messy game all around for this team. Kane's iced it on that Marchman giveaway. 3-0 empty netter. Nadelkovic gets his third shutout of the season. Main takeaways from this one. Barkov tried his best to carry his team tonight, but he just couldn't do it alone. Verhege, he did an alright job, and same with Uyghur, but beyond that, the team really didn't do much at all. I mean, Lomberg was okay trying to provide some energy, but he's really just a plug-in guy. Like, he's not a game-changer. Hornquist played a a bad game. He didn't generate much in the zone and took some stupid penalties throughout this one. Huberto once again did not show up. I only only noticed him once in this game, and that was 53 minutes into it. He got a shot on net from a little above the slot. And once again, the team needs more from him in big games like this. He's just not visible enough in big games, and it's concerning at this point. Like it's like he's still playing with some attitude of the old team, sort of like Yandel. I don't know. He went through a breakup recently. We saw on social media, so maybe that's affecting him more than we thought. But regardless, he's a professional. At the end of the day, you got to be professional. Uh, and the other thing is the lineup tonight. It was really something with Stillman gone and Strawman scratched. The team dressed two guys who have a combined five NHL games played on their defense. That along with Yandel and Nudivara. No wonder they played poorly. Too many fourth liners with Lamico and Lomberg. It's just simply not enough talent to win against a team as deep as Carolina, who's playing Nino Niederreiter on their third line. Uh, hats off to the Canes, though. They they did a hell of a job clogging the neutral zone and stopping almost every Panthers attack in its track. Nedeljkovic made the key saves when he needed to, and, and the loss was disappointing, to say the least. Another tough one for the Panthers. I am Brunswick. Thanks again for tuning into Project Panthers. Um... Third and final game of the week for the Cats was uh, in Dallas on Saturday afternoon game. Coach Q again chose to roll with seven D-men and 11 forwards in this one. Sort of mind-boggling considering Tippett is still sitting on the bench, but Q has chosen to dress Lomberg, Lamico, and Achari. Three guys that essentially play the same role on this team. There's just nowhere near enough offensive skill in this roster right now, and you're playing Mason Marshman on the top line with Barkov and Verhage, and... Why? 
thankfully, or or maybe not. I only saw the first period of this game before heading out to attend a wedding of a close friend. Turns out, one minute and 49 seconds into this game, the game winner was scored by Joel Esperance. This was only 49 seconds after Jason Robertson scores, just one minute into the game. So the goal from Robertson first, and then Lesperance second, we're not even two minutes in, the Stars are up 2-0. Just to be safe, about seven minutes later, Jamie Benn scores on a power play where it doesn't even look like Bob is paying attention to the shot. Reacted so late to this one, I don't know what he was looking at or thinking. The game was over from there. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Like I said, after I left after the first period, and I, I, I don't think I missed much, judging by the highlights. Barkov managed to get a power play goal in the dying seconds of the, of the uh, second period to make it 3-1. Barkov seemed to be the only one who knows how to score goals right now, from the looks of it. But Bob did his best to make sure not, let, not to let anyone get their hopes up for a comeback in the third period by giving up a very weak Rister goal just one minute and 21 seconds into the third. That was it. This is a pretty uneventful game, judging by the highlights. A total snooze fest. Both teams combined for 41 shots on the afternoon. And Kudobin kept his dominance of the Cats going this year. 4-1 the final, one goal for the Cats in the last two games. Main takeaways from this one. Team is spiraling quickly. Not sure what Q is thinking with this lineup. We will see what Barry Zito decides to do at the deadline. They, they need to help out front and on the back end. But what do you do in this situation? Does this squad really have a chance against Carolina or Tampa Bay in the first round sans Aaron Ekblad? Unlikely, in my opinion. Unlikely. I'm just trying to be realistic here. Zito has said he wants to reward the guys in the locker room for their play this year by bringing in some help. I just I hope that he doesn't give up too much to do so. I think, I think it would be a hell of an accomplishment for this team to beat either the Canes or the Bolts in the first round, so mortgaging parts of the future for a slight improvement on your chances of winning, maybe it isn't the smartest move. After this game, though, the the team looks lost. Three losses in a row in regulation, last two being absolute gong show hockey games where really no one besides Barkov and maybe Uyghur and Verhage looked interested in playing hard. So as we as we approach Monday's trade deadline after this game, Zito started to make some moves. First move that he made was bringing in Brandon Montour from, uh, from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a third-round draft pick. Montour's main purpose for this team will will likely be to replace Ekblad's shot on the power play and give the Panthers another threat offensively from the back end. He's a decent skater with a good shot but struggles in his own zone, and I, I worry about having guys like him and Yandel in the lineup on the same night. because It's obvious Yandel's not going to get benched or sat any time soon despite playing 5 minutes and 50 seconds in a game earlier this week. I really, really goes to show how puzzling this whole situation is with Yandel and what Q is thinking. Is he playing seven defensemen just to accommodate Yandel's Iron Man streak? Like this is, I don't want to make assumptions, but if that's what's going on, this is uh, frustrating from a fan's point of view. But uh, having having two guys like that in the lineup might be really detrimental. But it's likely the team feels the need for replacing Ekblad's goals on the back end as much more of a concern than than Montour's struggles defensively. Secondly, Zito signs Russian forward Nikita Gusev to a one-year deal to close out the rest of the season with the Panthers. Gusev is an extremely talented offensive forward with great vision. He's got passing ability and offensive offensive skills. He struggles immensely in his own zone, and he's not a very strong skater. He was having a pretty poor year with the Devils this year before being bought out and released. Um, he scored only two goals and five points in 20 games. 
it's just not a great season for him. I think Zito's plan is to likely have him play with Barkov in hopes that A, Barkov can make up for Gusev's lack of accountability in his own zone, and B, the two find some chemistry to ignite Gusev's game and, and give the team some more offensive help and some better depth. Maybe move Declare down the line, or maybe move Verhage down the, down the line. I think this is a pretty good move by Zito, in my opinion. Absolutely no risk with a chance of a, a reward, maybe even like a slightly high reward. Remember, Gusev is an established KHL star, and, and Panthers benefited from a KHL star not too long ago with Evgeny Dadnov coming back over and rekindling his NHL career with the Panthers. Gusev, uh, he put up 82 points in 62 games in his last season overseas with St. Petersburg. It was only a couple of se- couple of years ago. And he scored 44 points with the Devils last year in just 66 games. The skill is obviously there. Now, whether or not he'll find his game again in Florida, well, we'll just have to see. Maybe having a couple of Russian buddies on the team will help out. Who knows? But uh, for now, I like the signing. Let's, let's, uh, let's hope he gets some confidence back. General manager Bill Zito's final move at the deadline was likely his biggest. Sam Bennett comes over to the Florida Panthers uh, from the Calgary Flames for a second-round pick in 2022 and last year's second-round selection forward Emil Heinemann out of Sweden. Bennett, if you remember, is a former fourth overall selection back in 2014 who unfortunately has never quite met the high expectations for him in the NHL. A career high of 18 goals and 36 points in his rookie year. He's never been that elite forward he was drafted to be. This is a bit of a high price to pay for Bennett, in my opinion, but he's a restricted free agent, so my guess is Zito sees him as part of the team's future. Regardless, he's never shown much to be more than anything than a great playoff performer. So his regular season numbers are not great, but in the playoffs, he's got 11 goals in 30 career playoff games. So my guess is that he was brought in to be that playoff performer for this team. Uh, There's been some rumors about some attitude issues with him and and some difficulty figuring out if he wants to play center or if he wants to be a winger. We'll see how things uh, play out with him for the remainder of the season with the Panthers, and maybe maybe he finds his game again. Overall, I would rate this uh, trade deadline day for the Panthers as a success. Given the circumstances with Ekblad's injury and the uncertainty of this team going forward for the remainder of the season, I think Zito did a good job of addressing a couple of issues that the team needs. Would I have preferred a better second-line center? I mean, I don't even know if Bennett can be called a second-line center. Yeah, sure. But, you know, Bennett makes his team harder to play against. Gusev adds a little bit more offense up front. And Montour provides depth and offense on the back end, which this team is now missing with Ekblad out. So, yeah, I think you could call it a success. We'll see how this goes with these new players. I mean, so far, a lot of what Zito has touched has turned to gold. Maybe he finds the same sort of success with Bennett and Gusev. We'll see. Time will tell. Uh, Time to move on to the world-famous segment of Project Panthers. It's two points. Two points. Two points. Two points. Ah, That's right. In the NHL, if you want to make the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup, you got to get through the regular season. You got to get those two points after every game. So I think it's it's time to touch on two important points from the Panthers this week. Point number one, Alexander Barkov. He has picked up right where he left off after coming back from injury. Four goals in his six games since that return, averaging over 21 minutes in those games and, and winning faceoffs at over 60% of the time. He's doing everything he can to carry this team down the stretch and, and into the playoffs. And I wish I could say the same for Huberto, 
who in those six same six games has only one assist and is a minus four. This team, as I stre- have stressed many times before on this podcast, needs its stars to perform for them to be successful. We've known that all year. With Ekblad out, these two need to pick up the slack even more, and, and Barkov right now is doing a lot to earn that next big contract, but I I don't know if Uberdo is right now. He's sort of a non-factor in games. He needs to turn it around. He really does. If, if the Panthers don't want to limp down the stretch... He's got to start playing better. But uh, hopefully the depth coming in helps the team out a lot too. I mean, it's more bodies that can play in the NHL. So that's a plus. Um, Mackenzie Wieger is point number two. Speaking of stepping up, since Ekblad's injury, Wieger has uh, done his best to fill that role of number one defenseman. He's starting to look like he could be a number one defenseman on at least a couple of teams in the NHL. My only concern with him is, is not using the uh, is him not being used to being used this way to, to logging this kind of ice time and responsibility Uyghur is a great player but Ekblad is, is elite in his skill level and I don't know if Uyghur is up to that but Uyghur is a big team guy and he, he'll do everything he can to help this team and, and I worry that might strain him a little too much down the stretch I think the addition of Montour helps helps take away some offensive pressure from Uyghur but there, there's still a big hole to fill I mean, the team doesn't look to him too too much offensively as it is. Uh, regardless, though, Uyghur has stepped up to the plate and, and he's done more of a more of, more than an admirable job in the short sample size we have so far. The Dallas game on Saturday was the first time I saw him really struggle without Ekblad. Again, I only saw the first period, but I think the whole team didn't look good in that <laughs> in those twenty minutes. But in all fairness, like, what do you expect when the whole team struggles like that? He was only one of the few guys to show up on, on Thursday against Carolina, and, and I, I can only give props for Uyghur, to Uyghur for, for stepping up the way he has. And that's going to do it for me, friends. Panthers have another three-game winning streak, or three-game week this week. Oh, God, not another three-game winning streak. It definitely is not another three-game winning streak. Hopefully not another three-game losing streak. Uh, they got one more game in Dallas on Tuesday, and then Thursday and Saturday they go to Tampa Bay for a couple of tough games against the defending Stanley Cup champs. Hopefully the Cats find some more success this week than they did last week. You know, the new additions of Gusev, Montour, and uh, Sam Bennett. We'll see when they get into the lineup with COVID protocols and and all that. I think Bennett will have to be, I believe, a week, but I'm not too sure where it is coming from Canada to the U.S. I know from U.S. to Canada, I believe it's seven days. So we'll see how long it takes Bennett to get into the lineup. But hopefully we see the end of Q's 11 forwards seven defensemen experiment and, and we can start dressing a regular roster as the team makes the playoff push down the stretch to solidify a playoff position and maybe leapfrog one of Tampa or Carolina in hopes of getting to that top spot in the division, which I don't know if, if it's attainable at this point. I think it'll be difficult. We'll see. Those two teams are playing very well and the Panthers have sort of fluttered here down the stretch with after the injury to Ekblad and and all that, so we'll see. Uh, it's it's an exciting time right now with the new additions. You know, the Panthers are buyers, and for years we didn't get to see them as buyers at the deadline. For years they were sellers, and sometimes talented a little bit too much at the deadline gave the boys a couple uh, some. You know, we had the years with Yuri Hoodler and and Vanek coming over in those years. Um, but it's exciting. I think even if we look beyond this year. It's a good time to be a Panthers fan right now, all things considered. 
Uh, remember, remember to send your questions to me uh, by email. You can send it to projectpantherspod at gmail.com. Follow us at Twitter at Proj Panthers. That's P-R-O-J Panthers. On Instagram, Project Panthers Pod. Facebook, pro- by searching Project Panthers. Go Cats, go. I am Brunswick. Have a week. <laughs>